Welcome everyone to the Carnegie Moscow Center English Language Podcast. My name is Alex Kapuev. I'm a senior fellow and host. And today I'm very glad to welcome Taisuke Abiru, senior fellow at the Sasakawa Peace Foundation and one of the best researchers on Russia and post-Soviet space in Japan. Welcome Taisuke. Great to have you. Thank you very much. I guess that the focus of discussion recently is Russia's relations with the West, with the new Biden administration. Russia's rip with the European Union, but what's overlooked is the Russia's Asia's policy, and even there, the whole oxygen in the room is consumed by China, China, China. So today we're going to talk about the other players in the region, and definitely Japan as number three economy in the world, one of the major military powers in the Asia Pacific or Indo Pacific, immediately comes to mind. We've witnessed a very active Japan's policy towards Russia with Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, who really tried to build dialogue with uh, Vladimir Putin in order to resolve the longstanding territorial issue and improve relationship overall. Now he has departed. There is a new government in Japan. And I think that the big question on everybody's mind is how much consistency there will be in Tokyo's foreign policy towards Russia and how much it will change. So Taisuke, straight ahead, I would start with the question, what was driving Abe very activist approach towards Russia? Was it just the territorial issue or something else? I think that there, there was two pillars for Abe's active engagement policy with Russia. One was, as you said, as you mentioned, that uh, uh, resolving territorial issue and signing peace treaty. With Russia, long-standing one, but also I've recently mentioned in one of the journal in Japan that strategic background for the Abe's his active engagement with Russia was China factor. Abe had in mind growing China's growing power in mind, and uh, he also mentioned that that strategic view was shared by the entire government, entire administration. So oh, I think that there's two pillars for the Abe's uh, active engagement policy towards Russia. So it's interesting. It's both the bilateral issue and the rising China. Uh, I think that we in Russia have a very mixed review about the legacy of Abe's policy. I think that it was very welcome, but Russia didn't soften on the territorial issues and the uh, economic part, of, so the eight steps program and the desire of Abe to first improve the trade relationship, grow investment and economic cooperation, and then address territorial issues didn't result much. So didn't, didn't bring too many fruits. What's the estimate in Japan? Is there is a consensus of how successful Abe's policy was, or is there a debate? Yes, of course, there was a kind of uh, disappointment within the, uh, the Japanese people that uh, even Abe couldn't resolve the, this uh, political issue with Russia, territorial issue with Russia. But also, you know, there was there is consensus that Japan need to continue the engagement policy with Russia. 
in order to you know for Russia to entirely depend on China. Okay, uh, so let's let's discuss the economic part of it and then move to security. Yes. Uh, how attractive is Russian market for the Japanese companies nowadays? I think that it's a very unusual year. We are all in COVID recession together. Uh, China is the only major economy that shows positive growth, but the pandemic will one day be over. Uh, probably Russia will resume growth according to the forecast of the Ministry of Economy around 2% uh, this year. Uh, so are there still sectors that are really attractive for the Japanese investors? And what are they? I think that there are several sectors uh, for Japanese company could have an active interest in Russia. Well, I needless to say the energy sector, including the, uh, you know, uh, hydrogen. Uh, in the context of the, you know, uh, decarbonization of economy in the world, the trend, this trend. But also Japan, Japan's companies are growing, uh, interested in the, uh, IT sector in Russia also. Oh, so, oh, this relationship with between, not be, between the big companies, but relatively small and uh, medium companies but uh, Japan also uh, trying to have a constructive relationship with Russia in this sector also and also I think that the uh, agriculture sector is also has a perspective especially in the Far East so there are several sectors that Japan Japan Russia could continue a cooperation even even after Avira. I think I, th I think that on the Russian side, there is definitely understanding that China is the major market in the region where we have complementary strategy. But both on the state level and on corporate level, there is a desire to hedge and not to pull all the eggs in the Chinese basket. So definitely the cooperation with Japan comes to mind as the first remedy to reduce this uh, dependency on the Chinese market and simply diversify. And I, I agree with you that hydrocarbons is a very uh, important example because that's the major good that Russia exports. We've seen Japanese participation in the Novatex project, Arctic LNG2. There is also interest of some coal producers to bring their coal not only to the Chinese, but also to Japanese markets. So everything that can be transported via seaports and sea lanes definitely has a potential. What about the security? Because I think that's one of the torniest issue because Russia sees Japan as American ally. And now with the relationship worsening uh, under Biden, we see that the uh, low hanging fruits in the Russia-US relationship has been picked with the signing of the START Treaty. There might be some cooperation around arms control and around Iran nuclear deal. But the rest is basically about competition. We've seen first sanctions signed punishing Russia for treatment of Alexei Navalny and alleged use of chemical weapons to poison him. And uh, Jake Sullivan, uh, national security advisor of President Biden, has just announced that the U.S. will have a response towards Russian uh, presumed uh, intelligence collection operation called SolarWinds. So uh, how much Russia uh, and Japan can engage each other in the security domain when the relationship between Russia and the U.S. is just so competitive and so toxic nowadays. You know, the, and the Abe administration, uh, Japan, Russia, uh, 
decided to you know establish the uh, uh, foreign and defense ministerial uh, consultation uh, format, but it's called two plus two ministerial meeting. This is uh, this was. Uh, uh, very unusual for Japanese government to have this format with non-allied countries. Uh, you know, that's one of the reasons that uh, the Abe administration was so serious about the uh, developing the relationship with Russia, especially st strategic relationship with Russia. And, and uh, I think that, uh, uh, you know, and uh, in January of last year, uh, Japan uh, Maritime uh, self-defense force and the Russian Navy conducted the anti-piracy doors in Arabian Sea. So I, I believe that the uh, Japanese government will continue this kind of, you know, trust building uh, measures with Russian government, including the uh, Russian security area. And also, I believe, I believe that, uh, you know, the Biden administration could have a little bit nuanced approach to our Russia, especially in Asia. As far as I understand, you know, I remember that, for example, Kat Campbell, coordinator of the Indo-Pacific region in the Biden administration in the NEC, has had a very big interest in Japan-Russia relations when Hillary was uh, the candidate in 2016, and uh, he was he attended the, the meeting between the Abe and Hillary, Hillary Clinton, in in the uh, in New York, in September of then 2016, and there was some kind of discussion between the Hillary and uh, Abe, and uh, Hillary at that at that time mentioned that uh, he, she accept the Abe's uh, strategic wisdom on. His Russian policy. Uh, so I think that uh, you know the uh, Cat Campbell clearly understand why Japan tried to develop the relationship with Russia. So Japan's government could have uh, you know consultation with Biden administration, especially the Cat uh, Campbell, to talk about the the, the policy to Russia, in especially in Asia. It's also interesting that, uh, as far as I can see, Russia is uh, included in the Indo-Pacific portfolio in the new setup for the National Security Council. So again, Russia will be viewed more as an Asia power and uh, be understood in the context of broader competition between the US and China, rather than solely European or Middle Eastern power. Let's see how it works. But I think that gives rationale to your idea that uh, the new Biden team will look at Russia also as an Asian power and also pay more attention to the China-Russia relationship. Uh, I guess that what makes Russia allergic is not only the formal alliance between the US and Japan, but also the uh, strengthening and beefing up of Quad, the grouping that brings together the United States, Japan, Australia, and India. Uh, so what is the Japanese rationale uh, to kind of strengthen ties in this format and uh, will there be any communication strategy to explain uh, that logic to Russia? You know, Japan's government clearly understand that uh, Russia will not join the uh, uh, Kuwait format. Russia has a very 
good relationship with China, a strategic relationship with China, Russia will not uh, have uh, will, uh, does not have intention to the uh, you know the worsening worsening relationship with China in this uh, by joining in this format. I, we clearly understand that, but also, oh, you know, uh, Russia. Uh, even after the Ukraine crisis and the uh, Trump era, uh, Russia continued to, you know, sell arms, for example, to India and Vietnam, which have the, uh, uh, you know, the dispute with China. So we also clearly understand that Russia, uh, in the long term, Russia wants to be the, uh, you know, independent strategically independent power in the Indo-Pacific region. So we, we continue to uh, communicate and engage with Russia in order to di- diversify Russia's interest in the Indo-Pacific region. By the way, there's, there's a new development under the, you know, uh, Suga administration. Uh, just recently, uh, the, the January of this year, Japan, India, and Russia had trucks to dialogue on the trilateral cooperation in the uh, Faisal region. So, oh, you know, that means that uh, Japan and India started some kind of consultation on their policy to Russia in order to diversify the Russia's policy, uh, Russia's interest in the Indo-Pacific region. So, oh, this is kind of the new de- development that we we have seen in the recent days. Well, this is a fascinating field that we all continue to watch. And uh, let's wait for the first summit uh, meeting between President Putin and uh, Prime Minister Suga and come back to this conversation. Thank you very much, Taisuke, for joining me today. Thank you very much.